Well, hey there. My name is Pastor Tim, and you have found my podcast. I currently serve as the pastor of First United Methodist Church of Fort Pierce, Florida, and I'm so grateful to be able to connect with you in this way. This podcast is a collection of my sermons and teachings that I hope you will use to deepen and strengthen your connection with Jesus Christ so that you might go and transform the world around you. So kick back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. pretty unique situation with like the exception of Lydia back there sorry because I'd say that almost all of us except for her have had the privilege the distinct privilege of watching the evolution of home entertainment I mean because I remember when we didn't even have a remote control for the TV I was the remote control right like kid go turn the dial to channel 11 please you know (laughs) But it's interesting, right, how, how the role of TV and home entertainment has changed over the course of my 30-some years here on planet Earth. You know, it used to be that there was only a few select hours a week where there was actually something that I wanted to watch on TV, basically like Friday night and Saturday morning. Other than that, to me, as far as I was concerned, it was all infomercials, sitcoms that I didn't understand the humor of yet, or soap operas. Gross. (laughs) And that's all there was, as far as I knew, especially because we didn't have cable growing up, you know? So, like, it was pretty much literally nothing to watch a lot of the time on TV. And so there were these natural constraints that were placed around my consumption of television entertainment. And don't get me wrong, like I had video games, I had Nintendo, I had, I had all kinds of video games, but there was constraints around those as well because I had parents who told me you're only allowed to play during these certain hours of the day and only for this certain number of hours and only if you've gotten your chores and your homework done and only if we don't want to also use the TV which you need to play your video games on and so there was this this constraining aspect to home entertainment but as time has gone on and technology has advanced there are fewer and fewer natural constraints put on our societies and my own consumption of entertainment I mean, if you are willing to pay the price, you can watch literally any TV show, episode, or movie ever created with a few clicks of your remote or your computer mouse. Whereas we used to have to wait week after week to find out what happens next, now I can watch the whole season in one day. And while this is wonderful on like, I don't know, rainy days or something, We do have to take a look at what this really tells us about certain trends within our culture and just the general human condition. We are people who now are being thoroughly conditioned to get what we want when we want it, no matter the cost. I mean, you can order from Amazon and get it today sometimes. You can get McDonald's delivered to your house 
like we needed it to be any easier to kill ourselves. The world economy has recognized the fundamental desire of humans to consume as much as they can in the most convenient way possible and has absolutely cashed in. And look, I'm not even complaining about all this because it makes my life easier. Like, have you tried going shopping with a toddler? You have. I know you have. It's not fun. So it's much easier to just have it delivered to my door. But what, what we need to recognize, and what I'm, I'm, I'm really trying hard to recognize in my own life, is that this world that we live in now forces us, forces me, forces all of you to self-regulate. It forces us to take responsibility for our human tendency to be unable to say no to ourselves. It forces us to practice the subtle art of holy denial. So if you're like, what is this man talking about right now? <laughs> you might remember that we are in a sermon series called Brand New, where we're exploring different spiritual disciplines that we can practice that will ignite our love for Jesus, stretch our love for our neighbors, and transform our spiritual journeys. So we talked about reading scripture every day. Last week we talked about the rhythm of prayer in our lives. And so this week we're going to talk about everyone's least favorite spiritual discipline of them all. Fasting. Yeah. Now, fasting is typically understood as the restriction or the abstinence from food for a certain period of time. And I know that you're probably sitting here and you're like, ah, uh, hey, pastor, have you forgotten we are United Methodists? Eating is a spiritual discipline. I know. I went to school for this stuff, all right? I get it. So don't totally tune out just because this offends your theology of the potluck, all right? I promise that I'm not going to shame you or even really try to pressure you into giving up snacks. So just give me a little bit of space. Do we have a deal? That's more people that made a deal with me last service, so. <laughs> Listen, the, the, the disease of more. Yes, that's the thing that I just said. The disease of more tells us that if only we had this, or if only we had that, or a tad bit more of this in this area of my life, of our lives, then, and then only then, will we find satisfaction. If I had a different car, a bigger house, a bigger bank account, etc., 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 then we would be happy. And the strange reality that we are confronted with when we begin to follow the way of Jesus and search the scriptures is that less is more. And what I mean by this is that the practice of following Jesus is a practice of finding contentment and fulfillment through self-denial. I mean, look, Jesus literally says this in the Gospel of Mark chapter 8. He says, then he, then he called the crowd with his disciples, and he said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life 
for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Basically, one of the primary requirements for following Jesus is self-denial. And Jesus isn't saying like, hey, deny your existence. He's saying deny your earthly desires. Deny your creature comforts. Deny your own will and your own direction for your life and follow after my desires, after my comfort, my will, my direction for your life. Essentially, Jesus is saying that following him isn't a recipe for a life that is filled with comfort and getting what you want when you want it all of the time, which is often a reality that is at odds with modern culture, up to and including some of the messages that we hear from certain parts of the American Christian megachurch machine whose theology and teaching promises health and wealth and the lie that God wants you to be rich. God does not care if you're rich or not. God cares if you follow Jesus or not. So you say, okay, Pastor Tim, you say that Jesus says that I'm supposed to deny myself, pick up my cross, and follow him. But how am I actually supposed to do that? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Because that's what I'm here to tell you about. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to tell you to drop everything and become a missionary and go to another country, unless that's what you are called to do with your life. That's not everyone's call. What denying ourselves means is that unless our lives are, are deeply in need of absolute rearrangement in order to truly follow Jesus, that we need to simply deny ourselves of this deep, innate need to have, to follow the whims of every single desire that we have. Denying ourselves in our modern context is more consumed, concerned with who our lives are arranged around and how we go about living that out. Essentially, denying ourselves is taking a posture that orients our entire lives around Jesus and then living in a way that everything that we do is done to bring honor and glory to Jesus' name. And so what we have to understand is that the spiritual discipline of fasting is, it primarily is a means of bringing us back into a rhythm of realizing our dependence on God and creating space in our lives for us to listen to him. It's so easy for us to slip into patterns of self-fulfillment, especially in a world where we're consistently and constantly bombarded with messages that tell us to indulge in more. So in Jesus' time, fasting was actually a very common practice. So you can understand why he had to come and rescue us, right? That's a joke. In fact, it was so common that it had almost lost its power, which I know for us is a very strange concept as Americans because our culture is very much revolving around food and our next meal. But here's the deal. 
let me just kind of reframe it for you. Because our culture actually does revolve in a lot of ways around something that somewhat resembles fasting. It definitely resembles the motivation that was what Jesus encountered in his world. See, in our modern world, we just call it dieting. See the similarities? Dieting is the denial of what we want, right? Sweets, desserts, soda, fast food, tacos, whatever. And the goal of denying ourselves those things is to lose weight, which isn't a bad thing because stewardship of the body that God gave to us is good, but dieting is not fasting in a biblical way. Dieting and exercise in many ways have become, can become, a practice of vanity if we're not careful. They can become inherently about making ourselves look good to others. And what was happening within Jesus's culture was that people, particularly a sect of Jewish leaders called Pharisees, would fast as a means of showing off to the rest of the world how holy they were, how good they were at religion. And so they would fast, they would restrict from eating food, and they would make themselves look really decrepit, and then they would go out into public in order to prove to the world that they were truly suffering for God. They would make a spectacle of themselves in public to boost their own public persona of piety and holiness. And um, as you can probably guess, Jesus wasn't really about this type of behavior. And so he has like a whole section of the Sermon on the Mount that kind of deals with this stuff. And it starts out, he introduces it in this way. He says, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. And what he means by piety is spiritual disciplines like giving, prayer, and you got it, fasting. So a few verses later, he says this about how the disciples and people of his day and people of ours are called to fast. verses 16 through 18 says and whenever you fast do not look dismal like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting truly I tell you they have received their reward but when you fast put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you so here is Jesus's point, which is going to teach us what fasting really means. Fasting is meant to be something that is between you and God because it's something that is about you and God. It's about your relationship with God. Fasting is not a means of gaining uh, like holy street cred. Fasting is a means of deepening your relationship with and your dependence upon God. The founder of the Methodist movement, a man named John Wesley, had this to say about fasting. He said, some have exalted religious fasting beyond scripture and reason, and others have utterly disregarded it. 
See, John Wesley's observations reflected both what Jesus saw in his world and what we see in ours today, like two sides of the same coin. And so as followers of Jesus, we do need to be careful not to overemphasize fasting, but more likely for us not to utterly disregard it. The thing is, you know, fasting is not a command in the Bible. There's only one place where the people of the Bible are commanded to fast, and that's during the Day of Atonement, which we don't practice anymore as Christians. So that means that fasting is not something that we are, like, contractually obligated to as followers of Jesus. Rather, it's like a tool in our spiritual toolbox that we should learn how to use because it does come in handy. Now, the Apostle Paul taught in the book of Galatians that just because we have freedom from certain things doesn't mean that we should let that freedom rule over us and be a means of only serving ourselves. And so he says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. He says, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves or serve one another. See, Paul's point here is that even though we're not contractually or covenantally obligated to the practice of fasting, among many other things, what he's saying is the purpose of this freedom is for us to be able to more tangibly love our neighbors. And so, while not a requirement, fasting is a means of self-regulation from overindulgence that distracts us from our call to love our neighbors and serve the world around us. It's kind of hard to love your neighbor if you're in your house 20 hours a day watching Yellowstone, right? <laughs> so maybe you're like, well, great. I'd like to try fasting. Typically, fasting means the abstaining from eating for a period of time, maybe 12 to 24 hours or 36 or even 72 hours. Jesus fasted for 40 days. You are not Jesus. Do not fast for 40 days, okay? But even 72 hours, even 12 hours, that sounds crazy, right? Like, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but like, you don't want to be around me if I haven't eaten for 12 hours. There's an emotion. It's called hanger. It's when you smash hungry and angry together. And I embody that fully when I haven't had any food. But just because that's me doesn't mean that I shouldn't try, right? Because fasting does have both spiritual and health benefits, if you want to get on Google and find out about that. But there's a man named Richard Foster who's kind of like a foremost voice on spiritual disciplines, and uh, he wrote an essay on fasting. And, and this is what he has to say about it, if you're looking to dabble in fasting a little bit. He says, as with all the disciplines, a progression should be observed. It is wise to learn to walk well before we try to run. So begin with a partial fast of 24 hours duration. 
many have found lunch to lunch to be the best time. This means that you would not eat two meals. Fresh fruit juices are an excellent way to drink during the fast. And attempt this once a week for several weeks. In the beginning, you will be fascinated with the physical aspects of your experience. But the most important thing to monitor is the inner attitude of the heart. Outwardly, you will be performing the regular duties of your day. But inwardly, you will be in prayer and adoration, song and worship. In a new way, cause every task of the day to be a sacred ministry to the Lord. That all sounds really nice, right? Almost easy and whimsical. It does eventually get easier to go without food as you train yourself. But I wanna, what I want to focus on is the inward orientation that he talks about. And this is really what we are looking for as the goal of fasting. When we deny ourselves of our own need to consume, we create space for ourselves to abide in the presence of God. We create space to focus our thoughts and our hearts on the God who is consistently with us and seeking to guide us if we'll just listen. It creates space for us to really see our neighbors and their needs as we eliminate our wants from our constant consciousness. Now, I know that fasting from food is not necessarily something that we can all commit ourselves to, but there are plenty of areas in our lives in which we have the ability to say no for a time. You can fast from social media. You can fast from turning on your television. You can fast from Amazon.com. You can fast from using your credit card. You can fast from gossip. You can fast from complaining. You can fast from pessimism and worrying. See, the truth of the matter is that fasting is a conscious decision to go against your own nature and to focus on God's will and direction for your life. It's a practice of holy denial, of divine decluttering. It's making a decision to step aside and allow God to be the guiding voice in our lives. It's one of the many ways that we are truly able to deny ourselves, take up our crosses, and follow Jesus. And so my invitation to you this year is to simply engage in some form of fasting on a weekly basis. That just means that, like, on Tuesdays, you put your phone away for 12 hours, then go for it. If it means that you actually engage in fasting from food, I encourage you to try, but talk to a doctor first, because it's not safe for everyone. If it means just simply saying no to a certain department store trip, or staying at a Target on the weekends, whatever it is, I invite you do that because you are the ones who know best what it is that consumes your time and your energy and distracts you from being able to be present with God and from being able to see beyond yourself to the world that God has called you to be on mission to. And so let's, as a church, practice denying ourselves 
in 2023, take up our crosses and follow Jesus together. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you for the fact that we live in a world where we don't want for much. But God, we ask you to show us where not wanting for much and living in excess are two things that we have a hard time separating. Convict us and show us the ways in our life where we can say no to ourselves and yes to our neighbors a little bit more. Show us where we're distracted from acknowledging and being in your presence daily. Show us how we're listening to the whims of ourselves in this world rather than the call that you have placed on our lives. You're guiding and you're leading. And then God, show us how to make a change, how to be the new creations that we claim to be. How to be Christians, many Christs. How to bring love and light and goodness into the world around us. God, help us to deny ourselves. To take up our cross and follow you. So in that, we might be true disciples, followers of the one God, the way, Jesus.